What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. 2018's given Leon Bridges plenty to celebrate, a lot to meditate on, and maybe, best of all, a blueprint for what comes next. This is the National Podcast of Texas, a production of Texas Monthly, the national magazine. Welcome to the National Podcast of Texas. This week's podcast is sponsored by our friends at Frost Bank. Together, we're on a mission to ignite the powers of optimism and make people's lives better, physically, emotionally, and financially. Optimism is a force to be reckoned with, so join Frost Bank and opt for optimism. I'm Andy Langer. Christmas came a little early for Leon Bridges. Earlier this month, he received two Grammy nominations. His tune, Bet Ain't Worth the Hand, was nominated in the Best Traditional R&B Performance category. It's a track from his second album, Good Thing, which itself received a nomination for Best R&B Album. Bridges is one of those it's-just-an-honor-to-be-nominated type guys. But he's also not shy about admitting that winning one or two awards February 10th would be welcome validation, capping off a year full of validation. This year, he released a record that represented a major artistic leap forward and sold out date after date on his biggest headlining tour yet, which included selling out Red Rocks and coming home to Texas to play with Willie Nelson in support of Beto O'Rourke. Across 2018, Bridges also appeared in the movie First Man, appeared on Bun B's latest record, a Shawn Mendes remix, and shored up what until now has been a studio-only super trio with John Batiste and Gary Clark Jr. by playing live together at the Newport Folk Festival. Our 2018 exit interview with Bridges was recorded the morning after Christmas at Nile City Sound, the Fort Worth recording studio where he made his earliest demos and recorded his debut album, Coming Home, which also earned two Grammy nominations. It's his creative home base, but the bulk of Good Thing was recorded in Los Angeles with producer Ricky Reed for reasons Bridges is about to explain. He'll also address the confusion of fans who were expecting him to make another set of retro soul-leaning songs exactly like Coming Home and the unexpected pushback after he was announced as this year's Black Heritage Night headliner at the Houston Rodeo. We'll also talk about what album three might sound like and what's maybe been a more uneasy couple of years of stardom than it's appeared to be if you were just watching him on stage or on Instagram. This is Leon Bridges. Welcome. So it's the day after Christmas. We'll let people in on that. What was yesterday like for you? Oh man, yesterday was was beautiful. You know, it's uh, you know, I love you know my extended fa- extended family, but um, it's really nice, um, you know, when my holidays are super intimate, you know, and so it was just me and my mom, and uh, she cooked some red beans and rice, chicken, uh, potato salad. It was it was fire. Your mother figures prominently into the recorded works of Leon Bridges so far. You got to take her to Paris. (laughs) 
Man, it, it was. What was that like? Yeah, man, it was really cool, you know, to see for my mother to see me in my element and in another country. Um, and it was so rad. Like that was like kind of a her Christmas um, present, you know. And so I flew my mom and sister out, came out to the show. And post show, I bought my sister her first drink, which was really weird. Um, <laughs> and but yeah, she's like she's like twenty years old, but she I mean they love the whole thing, man. Well, your mother didn't always love the whole thing. <laughs> initially, she was reluctant to let mm-hmm. you follow this path, mm-hmm. and initially, you weren't honest with her about what you were doing. Oh, totally, man. Um, yeah, man, it was it, it was it was a grind for sure. You know, I was you know, passionate about, you know, putting my music in front of people and in, in open mics, you know, were a great conduit for doing that. Um, and, you know, but at the same time, my mother was worried, you know, of me being in, in that whole environment, you know, smoky bars and, and around, um, you know, a, a negative energy, I guess, you know, but that, I mean, that's kind of how she saw it. Um, but if it weren't for me, you know, getting off at work late, you know, getting off at work, hopping over to Magnolia, you know, and then <laughs> telling my mother, like, yeah, I got off, you know, got off work late. You know, I wouldn't be where I'm at now. I mean, you'd hop on a bicycle, one of those shared bikes, yeah, man. and go over to these open mics. Dude, it was it was crazy. You know, I was bringing my guitar um, to work, and, and, and I'd, like, leave it upstairs, and, you know, people at work be like, what, what's you, what you doing with that? You know, it's like, yeah, I play a little music. You know, and so I'd get off work, I'd hop on the bike, um, ride, on, ride on over to freaking Lola Saloon, um, which is not too far from here, and, and do my thing. How much of coming home was you playing it safe because your mother was uncomfortable with this? There were places you didn't yeah. go, <laughs> sonically mm. and lyrically, mm. because you were afraid of what your mother would think, right? For sure. Um, the, the interesting thing is that for those, you know, who don't know, you know, before coming home, you know, I was, I was making music that was similar to what my second album sounds like, but coming home is just reflective of the, the circle I was around. You know, I, I, I found God when I was 18 years old and then kind of straight away, um, from, Christianity in a way. And so that's like reflective and, you know, there's remnants of that on, on the album. And so that's why I had to play it safe. I remember even writing songs like coming home and, and, and thinking of, you know, oh man, the, you know, my, um, you know, my circle, my circle, you know, my mother and, and my friends, you know, in my community are not going to really vibe with this. Um, but, you know, I just, you know, it was just what I was passionate about. Is there a point where your mother turned a corner and started to come around on this being your thing? Definitely, man. Um, it was the first time um, I showed her, I showed her a recording of uh, of, flow, of of flowers, and 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 she heard it and she was like, "Who is that?" I was like, "Oh, that's that's me." And she's like, "Man, it sounds great." Um, and it's funny because I kept I, I always kept my music kind of private you know I never really shared it with my mother much I remember one one day I was hanging out at home with my friend and uh my friend was like you gotta show your mom that song you wrote about her and I was like no 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 ended up playing it for her and you know she 
broke out into tears. Is there still a sense that you're holding back some because of her? <laughs> Man, um, there is a little bit of that, you know, because it's it's really funny, you know, how, you know, my mother, she, she my mom always gets on me about my interviews, you know, when I use profanity, you know, the, the, the little times that I use it. Um, you know, she definitely checks me on it. Like, what is this? You know, what is this? You know? Um, but yeah, I feel like I still hold back a little bit. One, because I, because of, of my mother, but also I feel that if I do something, you know, the, the way I talk with my friends is not, and my homies is not what I, the energy I put out in my music. Um, you know, and so I feel like if I were to do something, I guess, vulgar, you know, it would be, the fans would think it was out of character. Is that the hardest part of all this so far is figuring out who to be publicly, how to be that person, mm-hmm. but how to maintain your own life, mm-hmm. be your own person among friends and family, and that's a different thing for you, friends and family. So that's a bunch of different versions of you. Totally, man. Um, (laughs) You know, it's like, you know, the music is one thing, you know, and who I am, you know, with my family is one thing and who I, you know, am with my friends is one thing. And so right now I'm, you know, trying to navigate on, you know, how transparent do I want to be? And, and I do see where my music is going, um, and I'm trying to find ways to do it tastefully, but you know, I want to be a voice for, you know, the struggles within the black community. Um, I want to be, um, I don't know. I just want to go deeper into some of my insecurities, um, moving forward. And, and so I've been trying to find ways to write that. This record does some of that. This record already takes a couple of those steps. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There's essentially, what's a protest song. Yeah. There's definitely more insecurities worn on your sleeve. How much of this record is a reaction to the first record or to the way the first record was perceived? Yeah. Um, I mean, all of it really, you know, I wanted to, and everybody knows the whole narrative, you know, but, you know, I wanted to break away from being, oh, the guy that was labeled, oh, that's Retro Soul Man. You know, he can do the six eight. He, he can do that, you know, stuff, the blues. He can do the soul stuff. Um, but I kind of wanted to prove a point, you know, and show people that this is the kind of music that I'm inspired by as well. You know, it's funny how people see change within an artist and, and they immediately call it out as selling out. You know, it's like, yeah, you don't you don't know me as as an artist, and and this is music that is a part of me as well um but yeah it's i remember being at the grammys for the first time with austin jenkins and um we were just so inspired by the whole thing and i remember us telling you know we were talking we were talking during the the, uh, ceremony we're like okay going into album two it's blood on the mics you know which you know which means like we're going all in you know and um yeah. <laughs> to not lose standing, to have this record received the way it was, to make that step forward, 
and then return with the same number of Grammy nominations, that's got to be rewarding. Oh, my gosh, man. It's, it's really beautiful to see, you know, that I was able to, to evolve and, and do it and, and make a different sound, you know, still maintain my integrity and get nominated again. Um, you know, if I would have made an album that was similar to Coming Home, you know, I could have done that, and I, and I feel like it would have been successful. Um, but it's really rad to get noticed a little more in the R&B world, the hip-hop world, um, which was one of my goals. It's not about the hardware, the actual Grammy for you, but that community, other artists and the people that vote on them, that actually means something to you. Yeah, man. Having not won one yet. But. Yeah, totally. Um, you know, definitely. You know, you know, I feel, you know, as a black man, um, you know, making, you know, R&B music, soul music, you know, I, I think it's, you know, it's, it's rad to be, to, you know, to be considered, you know, next to some of my peers and some of the people that I, that I look up to. Um, you know, I'm a big fan of, of, of trap music. I'm a big fan of, of, you know, R&B music. I'm a big fan of all, all that kind of stuff. And so it's, it's rad to, um, to be next to those guys in, you know, in, in, in the category. Is it weird for as far as we've come in America and for as far as we haven't to still have to preface artistic decisions, personal decisions, etc. all of every decision with as a black man? Mm. Yeah, man, you know, like, I don't have a, the fancy way of, of, of saying this, uh, but... I mean, there's a burden. There is a, a weight that you have to carry that a lot of other people don't. Yeah, you know, I, I, yeah, I feel like I'm definitely, you know, as a black man, you know, I, you know, I'm held to a different standard than a, a white artist, you know, would be. Um, and, and that was something that was kind of expected of me when I was, and, and still to this day, um, but the, the, you know, expectations of, the expectations of, you know, where is the political music? Um, and, and that was something that, you know, of course, like I saw, you know, it's, it's easy to see a problem, um, within society, but like translating that into a song, um, was something that wasn't that, you know, that I'm still working out. Um, you also though, this year took a step politically supported Beto played the giant Willie Nelson mm -hmm. Beto rally at auditorium shores in Austin. At one point, I believe it was billboard. You told that show meant as much as the whole tour. Yeah. Because it was a big step forward for you or a step out, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, man. You know, you know, from my perspective, you know, it was about, you know, a Texan supporting another Texan, you know. And, and I, you know, I fully stand behind, um, you know, someone who's going to be in, an advocate for minorities and, um, you know, for the poor. And it, it was really... It was a beautiful event, you know. It, it was a it was a little bit of a um, inconvenience, you know. I was freaking in, you know, Montreal, Canada, in the middle of of tour, and um, 
you know, but I, but it was worth it, you know. Black Heritage Night at the rodeo, that was part of your 2018. <laughs> the lead up to it didn't go exactly as planned. Yeah. How much did that sting, the backlash? And, and the irony is, is you had made a record that obviously would have better connected with that community, but totally. they couldn't have, they, they weren't able to hear it yet. Totally. So you knew that. Mm-hmm. They didn't know that. Mm. It, and so, they're telling you, essentially, you're not black enough. Yeah, that was that was really wild to me. Very, you know, very disheartening, um, you know, because like, once again, you know, I want to be accepted by my people. Um, and the thing is, is that within our culture, you know, we don't really and I can't speak for everybody, but we don't necessarily support indie artists. Um, it was interesting because this is a whole different thing, but Eminem made a comment about the year that he was, um, he was nominated to think for best album. And he, you know, made a comment like, Oh, Nora Jones, who's that? You know, I, you know, I deserve this over her. And I, and I get it, you know, he, he might've made a, a bigger impact in a way. Um, but that that's parallel to how I was treated um, with in you know with with in Houston you know. Um, but the the awesome thing is that post that, you know there there's people DM me and oh man I didn't know but man you're you're so dope you know like so at the end of the day um, you know we we went up we showed up and we we played a good show. And when Bun B had your back, he was there. Yeah, that was that was right. He came he came through and uh performed, which uh, definitely helped. <laughs> Is that one of the twenty eighteen highlights too, the Bun B, Gary Clark Jr., Leon Bridges track on his man, album? Man, it's 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 up there, man. And life life is really crazy to you know, to the point where, you know, Bun B hit me up about being in the music video and, and you know, I, I wasn't able to, you know, to come through, you know, because, you know, I'm trying to spend some time at home and with the fam and, you know, just not able to come through. But, yeah, it's crazy when, you know, the legend, um, you know, would have me, you know, in, on, his, on his music. We're at the studio you made coming home in. And this is the same studio that a couple years later you'd be with Gary Clark and John Baptiste. A lot of things that happened was, in that this That was room. a highlight of 2018. Yeah, yeah let's talk know. about that for a minute. I mean, <laughs> what? here's my impression of having been here a day of those sessions. I saw that day, and I mean this in the nicest way, how good of a mimicker you are, mm. how quick you are to pick up <laughs> on what somebody else is doing and be able to do it. I mean, Baptiste was singing to you parts and boom, you'd sing them back. <laughs> and that's something a lot of people can't do, especially at the level of a John Baptiste. Mm. Man, what did that feel like? Man, it, it was, you know, Anna, for me, it was just really dope to just be in a room with, you know, other black men who are very prominent, you know, in in the jazz soul blues world you know guys that I've that I've looked up to you know before you know I got into the game 
And honestly, you know, that comes from when I would, when I would, you know, do jam sessions at freaking TCC, um, Tarrant County College. And we would, we would just go back and forth. And, and so that, that's, you know, that's where that come from being able to just hop in into a, a moment and just cater to what's, what's going on. And, um, but man, it was, it was, it was a very spiritual experience, you know, to, um, to just be in a room with some of the dopest musicians in the game. That ability to immediately spit back what somebody's doing. Is that in some ways how you came to make coming home? I mean, was that really you? Because this record is definitely really you. Mm-hmm. Can we look back at that record already and say, maybe that wasn't you? Man, it, it, it's crazy because it, it wasn't my initial kind of style of, of music, you know, that I was making. But it was a, I, I remember just being inspired by that sound. And so, you know, I, I creatively wanted to, um, you know, put that energy, you know, within my songwriting. You know, I wanted to tell my narrative through the whole 60s R&B thing. And, you know, so I put, there were songs that I was writing that was totally different from from coming home and I kind of put a stop to them. Um, you know, I got to put them in the, the back seat to write coming home. Um, but when I got into the studio, all those, most of those songs were already done. Um, the whole kind of in the moment um, improvisational thing was how I approached the second album. Which was a harder record to make because you had to find your footing and really be you for the first time. Man, yeah, there, you know, there were some, some challenges. You know, I was reluctant to working with pop writers. Um, and there, there are a lot of artists that are, you know, and so I had to really kind of open myself up to that whole process. And for me, it's like when I'm in a room full of great songwriters, you know, it's, it's intimidating. And that was a challenge for me in the beginning. Um, the one song that was kind of pivotal was um, this song called Lions. And it was a day that it was, we, uh, we usually had like kind of a bigger, you know, bigger, you know, setup of people and, it was me. Me and Ricky decided to go out into the, the little patio, and had we, you know, brought the guitar out, and was like, okay, this is this is the vibe, and we came back and and everything flowed out. What do you think clicked? Yeah, it it was having less people in the room, um, and I don't know. I kind of explained to him like. Okay, so the, the, I had a couple of songs that I was working on, and I kind of explained to him, like, this is the vibe. And once he saw that, it kind of changed the direction of the songwriting and, and the vibes. It seems to me that you're a guy who goes in with little more than raw talent and vibe. That you, Those are your two elements, is that you can do this thing 
you've also got a vibe in mind. And then it's turning that into something concrete that's really the art of it. For sure, man. Um, you know, for me, you know, it's it starts out with just forming melodies. And, and I would say that the lyrical theme is, is, is somewhat of an afterthought. Um, you know, it starts out forming melodies and then, we, you know, I, I kind of figure out, you know, what I want to say, you know, within the song. You have a vibe in mind for the next record? I do. Um, I've been kind of going back and forth with the, with the homie Austin about this. But I, th- I think moving forward, um, I look at the second album and the uh, good thing and it's, you know, it's a beautiful project, you know, and it's sonically very um, shiny in a way. And so moving forward, you know, I want to take songs like I vibes like Georgia to Texas and, and, and Shy and Bad, Bad News and kind of expand on those ideas. You know, I want to add more jazz elements, more psychedelic elements, more funk um, but yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's super early to, you know, to think about it, but. But you like the shiny thing. Man, it's, it, it, yeah, it's, it's nice. Um, but there's a part of me that I want to get back to the sonics that were coming home, but not necessarily 60s R&B music. Um, but I, I love just like the rawness of, of coming home. And, and there are, there are, there's are raw elements on good thing. Um, but moving forward, I want to, I guess, go back a little bit. Even though the R&B that you loved growing up is the shiny R&B. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in fact, you played Gary Clark Jr. and I when we were doing that Texas Monthly story a couple years ago. You mm-hmm. played us some demos that was, they were pretty far ahead of what would ultimately become good thing mm-hmm. in terms of timing. <laughs> yeah, totally. But they were pretty slick. <laughs> And they were genuine inspired. I mean, they totally. were the clearest link mm-hmm. back to this guy listened to a lot of genuine, a lot of R&B growing up. It didn't quite go there that far for the record, but those demos definitely did. Yeah, yeah, those, you know, there were demos that inspired Good Thing. And I felt like when we were working on that stuff, we kind of hit a wall in that. And that was part of the reason of us take, you know, picking, picking up and, and going out to LA to work with Ricky Reed to see, you know, if we could beat all the songs that, um, we had wrote here. Um, but yeah, I, I really hope that those, that those songs find a home. But as far as inspiration, you know, I wonder what would a Jodeci, a Funkadelic, Dr. John combine. I don't know what that looks like, but that's kind of the inspiration going into third album. Touring this record, you had a certain part of the audience that expected their favorite songs from coming home. Mm-hmm. Then you hit them with songs they may or may not know from a record that early on the tour, hadn't been out that long. Mm -hmm. What was your reaction to their reaction? Because they were a little confused initially. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I feel like um, these songs, the new album hasn't resonated with the, some of the songs off The Good Thing haven't, haven't resonated with the audience yet. Because you can see live, you know, the way people react to certain songs. Um, of course, Beyond is everybody's favorite. But when, you know, we get a little bit more psychedelic and weird with songs like Lions, um, people don't, like, respond in the same way. Um, but, yeah, like, you know, it's very obvious that, you know, people, my fans, want the, the coming home thing because, you know, that's, that's the first project. But, they, but, you know, they still dig the new music as well. The confidence on stage comes from where all of a sudden? <laughs> Just repetition? It, oh, it's, it's definitely repetition, man. Um, it's, it's funny because it's, it's always been there. When I was in dance performance, you know, the confidence was there. When I got into music, you know, I didn't know how to integrate the whole dance thing, confidence, and w with the music. And, and, and also, you know, I was in front of, you know, a new, a new audience, you know, in a way. But a lot of that comes from playing a gang of shows. Was there actual stage fright? Oh, there's, the, oh, there's always, always stage fright. Um, I feel like on, on, when I'm on stage, I'm always in my head, you know, about like thinking of, you know, is the audience digging this, you know, you know, am I, you know, I'm not handsome enough or um, I'm not a good enough dancer or, you know, I think of all that stuff, you know, when I'm on stage. And so, so that's not just stage fright. That's genuine self-doubt. That's imposter syndrome stuff. Yeah, man, like it, it, but that definitely plays into why in, that plays into my stage fright. The way to overcome that is what? Beyond repetition. You've overcome that how? Ha, like, ha, have I overcome that? Well, it seems that you have. Man. Maybe not. No, no I, ha I haven't, you know. Um, but when I'm on stage, you know, I try to get into the zone. You know, I want to give people an amazing show, and I, and I don't want my fear um, to show on stage. And so I just get locked in and go. <laughs> How much did the Beto involvement, how much did watching what some of your peers, whether it's Childish Gambino mm -hmm. or Kendrick Lamar, or watching just the music that's been produced in the last year or so as a reaction to this administration, how much has that changed the way you think and really sort of up the timetable on making provocative moves? Mm. Yeah, I mean, that goes back to kind of seeing the, the current political situation in America, um, but still trying to work out how to translate that within music. Um, and my thing is that all, that's, all the, the news and, and information, um, there's so much of it. And for me, it's, it's hard to, to catch up in 
and have an opinion on on it all. Um, I feel like it's so it's very overwhelming um, for me, but it 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 definitely you know definitely seeing you know guys like Childish and and, and Kendrick it's it's inspiring and it, it inspiring you know I want to incorporate what they do in in my music you know I'm st- but I'm still navigating on how to do that tastefully but that's not something you're afraid of that part fear doesn't play in at this point <laughs> man you know I I definitely I definitely don't fear that, but there, but it's it's there's moment there's parts of me where it's hard to be vulnerable like that, and I'm and I'm not afraid to say that I'm a fragile person, and I do there's moments when I do fear of like of criticism, whether you know online or or whatever, but I think it it is important to take a stand and put that energy in my music. We live in this world where it's so easy to talk trash online, to have an instant reaction to something with only a little bit of knowledge or truth behind it. For a fragile person in the spotlight, that's got to be really difficult. Yeah, it it is. And and luckily, um, you know, I don't have that kind of energy directed towards me. but you did a couple times this year. Yeah. Whether it was the Beto sure. thing, whether it was the totally. Black Heritage Night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is really the first year where for all the love, mm-hmm. and your career has been a lot of love. Yeah, for sure. Where some of it came back in a different form. The yeah. opposite of love. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, the, the, you know, the Beto thing, it was mostly just like comments on inst- on the, the post that I made, which I didn't really pay attention to. But the wild thing was on Twitter, you know, when people were like, you know, if I would go to a Leon Bridges tag, it would be in people tagging me, you know, like, who is this guy? No, we should have had this artist. Um, And so that definitely hurt for a minute. But eventually I just like put it all aside and um, did my thing. A couple of years ago, it was Gary Clark Jr. who said that it would take you an album cycle and then some time off to be able to wrap your head around and articulate what's happened to you. Man, You're I, almost I, at that point on this second record. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's really, it's really rough when you're in the, in the whole crazy bubble of of everything and it's really hard for me to like you said like articulate what's what's going on and I honestly need (laughs) a good year or two to to be able to kind of think about what's what's happened in, in the three four years that I've been um doing this how much has it changed your experience here in Fort Worth, because you are a spokesperson for this town. You are a walking convention and visitors bureau. You're <laughs> always repping Fort Worth. Does mm-hmm. it change your experience living in this town? Man, in a way, you know, I've, you know, lost, you know, my anonymity, you know, definitely. Um, 
but what I love about Fort Worth is that, and what I love about Texas, I mean, like it's it's just separate from the industry. And I love I love you know, and and it's really um, amazing to see all the love um, that people show. But it's weird because like I'm kind of oblivious to all of it. You know, it's like I look at myself. The way I look at myself is not how people view me. I look at myself as just a normal guy. Um, and so when I go out, you know, I'm not really ex- expecting to, um, for people to recognize me or, or, or whatever. And so, but it, but yeah, it's, it's amazing that, um, amazing to see all the support in the city. You see yourself as a normal guy, but you get to experience all these pinch yourself moments. Is that hard to reconcile when it's the White House or the Obama White House or <laughs> the Grammys and knowing I'm dressing for the Grammys mm. and I'm going to meet my heroes? Mm. Is that still hard to wrap your head around? It really is. Um, it really is. Like, it's like one of those things that I, it's, it's really rad to be recognized for my art, um, really rad to be invited to Obama's last B-Day party, um, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. But now it's like there's so many amazing moments compared to like three years ago when you had that one amazing moment that you waited, you know, months, a, a year to experience, and then like that was it. Um, so they're coming at a faster clip. Definitely. And and not to say that I'm I'm not grateful for any of that. Um but it's really hard to process all that you know, it's like there's no words to describe meeting Obama. I well, I'm just not good at articulating you know that experience. You know, it's like what am I going to say? Oh, that was dope. You know, like you know, it was but you know, it was rad to be able to represent Texas, you know, represent my family. You know, I wish my grandmother, you know, was alive to have seen seen that. You know, she lived in a time to where, you know, she didn't have the right to vote and she had to sneak out of her mother's house to vote. And so for her to see me um, meet the first black president, it's just regal, you know. How does somebody who has those experiences still doubt themselves? <laughs> Man, it's just like, it's something that, you know, that comes and goes. Um, I don't have a fancy way of saying it, but there's been moments, you know, to where I'm in my city, you know, I'm going to a certain bar or, or club mm-hmm. and it's like, Oh, you can't get in because you have a jersey on. And okay, at that moment I could drop. Oh yeah, you know I did this, I did this, and did this. But I'm grateful for all those moments. But it's like I don't know. I, I value true dope friendships. I, I value um, living in one of the dopest cities in in Texas. Um, you are able to take stock in how different 
you are now than the guy that first walked through this door into this studio? Man. Who uh, was that guy? <laughs> Man, um, a, a very soft-spoken, um, shy, um, I don't know, goofy-looking dude. I was definitely goofier-looking um, <laughs> during that during that time. You know, but, like, I, I have changed, you know, in a way, and not in a negative way. Um, but I feel like I'm just a little bit, I don't know, like, more closed off to to people. Now? Now. Because you know people are paying attention? Man, it's, it's just like, I, yeah, now that people, you know, like, there's more eyes on, on what I do. Um, I feel like that has, um, kind of pushed me to withdraw some. Yeah. And, and, and now, you know, it's like, I like, it's pushed me to be more isolated. Um, everything from like having to be social all the time. Um, and I've already been, you know, an introverted cat. Um, but like the, having the notoriety and, and and all has pushed me to um, in, into that. The irony is, you're somebody who makes commercial music, somebody <clears throat> who it wouldn't be crazy to imagine having a pop hit or a piece of a pop hit that puts to shame numbers wise what you've accomplished already, and you swing mm-hmm. for those fences, so. Pop stardom, whatever that is today, mm-hmm. is still the goal, even if that also makes you uncomfortable. Yeah, man, it's it's kind of a double-edged sword in a way. Um, you know, it's, I'm crazy like that because I want success, but at the same time, I do, I do fear of gaining more success because I'm just like, just out in the open and more vulnerable to whatever, um, you know, but at the same time, you know, I, I want, you know, I want to keep climbing, um, the ladder. Do you have an idea of what success looks like? Your version of Mm -hmm. it? You know, it would be rad to win a Grammy. Um, it would be rad to make an album that's nominated for album of the year. You know, it's nice, you know, kind of dope to set some goals. It'd be rad to have a radio hit that's without compromising. And beyond that, you know, I want to be able to, you know, re- use my resources to help, do- you know, help those around me and to make some more money so I can, you know, tell my, you know, put my sister th- through college and take care of my brother, you know, all family. And If you grow up without money, like you did. Money's not a bad motivator. Like, that's not a shameful thing to say. I'd like to make a lot of money doing this. Mm-hmm. Right? No, I mean, yeah, it's... I mean, it means something different to somebody who grew up without money. Definitely, man. Um, you know, I, in, in, all, in growing up with not having a lot, um, you know, it just pushes me now that you know, I, I have a little, 
a bit more. <laughs> but um, yeah, it just inspires me to, you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with having, a, you know, that goal of, of making more money as long as it's for something positive. How early does one pick out their Grammy outfit? <laughs> when you're as style conscious as you? Man, um, are you looking at personal Pinterest boards? Man, not not well, not not really. Um, there's there's like there's a, a photo of uh, I think it's like Bo Diddley and um, I think Loretta Loretta Lynn. I might be wrong, um, but they're wearing these like s- freaking like silk looking suits with like the the Western um, bow tie, and and so. I definitely want to bring a whole Western thing. And so I've been talking with one of my favorite designers, Bodie, um, based out of New York, about um, doing a piece. And so I'm going to go to New York for the Western thing. <laughs> you live in Fort Worth. Man, yeah, man you know. <laughs> but uh, I, yeah, I, I really dig her, her, her stuff. I mean, if there's somebody in, in, in Texas, you know, you know of. Um, but yeah. Um, rock the whole Stetson, Bodie, Western tie, some boots. You know, I, it's it's really dope and unique to um, to represent like Texas culture. You know, at the Grammys as a, a black dude. <laughs> this is a year you couldn't have expected the unfurling the way it did. Yeah, I yeah, I mean, I didn't know how people were going to react to the new album. Um, You know, I thought that I was going to possibly alienate some fans. Um, You may have, but you made new ones. Yeah. In the end. Yeah, totally. Um, But, and, and, but luckily like some of the original ones stayed on. Um, But yeah, honestly, it's, it seems like every year it just gets better and better. But yeah, I didn't anticipate it, how well the, the album would do. And again, it's not about numbers. It's not about having a hit. Mm-hmm. It was about reactions from crowds. It was about opportunities, whether they be movies or other collaborations. Totally. Mm-hmm. Those are the ways your success is measured now. Because we don't live in a traditional yeah. that hit number one or it didn't world anymore. Yeah, it's it's totally not um, based on hits. You know, it's everything from gaining more fans out the black community to playing bigger venues, um, being on a Gap commercial. Um, all that is success, and I can't wait to see what's what twenty nineteen is going to bring. I don't mean to harp on the as a black man part, Mm -hmm. but I'm wondering, and we've talked before, you and I, about the makeup of the audiences. Mm -hmm. What could your Joe White audience member, what could I learn from you about your experience during that show? Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Well, I mean, I I think there's probably something to take away there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, from my perspective, it's, you know, I'm, I'm thankful for anyone that wants 
that supports my music and I can't control the makeup of, of my audience. Um, but honestly, you know, there's moments within my music where it's, it's very groovy, very funky. Um, and you want the audience to respond in a way that's like, you know, they're grooving out with the music, you know, but there are, there's times when that's not happening and looking out, you know, when I'm on stage, from my perspective, I want to look out and I want to see my people in the audience. Um, to be clear, you're seeing more of your people now than you were. I am. I am. Um, but in the beginning, that was one of the, th- the things that was... Um, Awkward. It, it, definitely. <laughs> and, uh, and also, you know, I would... I would and, and even now... Um, to, you know, to hear comments like, oh, man, the white people love him. You know, like, I have no control over that. I think it's rather than anybody loves me. Um, but, you know, moving forward, you know, I want to gain more of the black audience. That is a weird diminishing comment for somebody to say, oh, totally. I, he, he makes the soul music for the white people. I mean, it's very condescending, you know. And my, the, you know, my music, like, the themes and, and the lyrical content, you know, it's, it's, it's stuff that anybody can relate to. Um, you know, it's not a black thing, not a white thing. This coming year, although you weren't great at projecting or guessing what would happen in 2018, what do you want to accomplish this year? Yeah, um, man, I, I, I want to, I haven't even really thought out what, what I want to accomplish for the, for the rest of this year. I feel like I've accomplished everything that I wanted to accomplish this year. Do you have um, resolutions? <laughs> I mean, you know, it's it's the typical um, work out more, <laughs> you know, be healthier. Um, I don't know. Learn how to be a better songwriter, a better guitar player. You know, I feel like I, I stopped. You know, I hit a wall on guitar. Like, I feel like it's impossible for me to be better. Hopefully, AJ can help me. But uh, (laughs) what's it feel like on stage when it's all working? Man. What's that exchange like with an audience? Mm. Honestly, um, you know, it's, it's, it's really liberating you know and it's indefinitely a huge accomplishment to within every show you know to see the audience singing you know the lyrics back to you and 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 even knowing some of the deeper cuts um my band setup is improved um and i've always had an amazing band um but it's really rad to see my band members approach the the new music in a way that still reflects what I what I started, you know. And but yeah, this every tour this year has has really been amazing. You're having fun, to be clear, even though there's doubt, even though you've got your own personal stuff to work out. This is fun, right? <laughs> Definitely, man. I mean, it's it's a dream, you know, to be able to you know, the fact that I'm playing music every night, um, you know, the perks of tour, just 
being able to experience, you know, different cultures and, and cities and countries and meeting beautiful women, um, making new friends, you know, trying new food. And, and it's, yeah, it's, it's all, it's all beautiful. If it weren't fun, <clears throat> you'd stop. Like, have you thought about that? Man, I've, I've thought about stopping. You oh, know. okay. You've already thought about yeah. stopping, not even. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because, like, there's these times when I get stuff thrown at me and, and I feel like I'm not able to compensate, you know, for what's thrown at me. And and there's times where I want to say, wait, whoa, okay, can we just stop? Can I just go home? I mean, let's forget about all this. Just kidding. Nobody, you know. And yeah. I made you work the day after Christmas. <laughs> no, it's all, it's all good. All right. Thank you. You can find Leon Bridges on Twitter at Leon Bridges and Good Thing wherever you listen to or buy music. The Grammys air February 10th and Leon will also perform live during Grammy week at the star-studded 2019 Music Cares Person of the Year tribute to Dolly Parton. Frost Bank sponsored our show this week and you can find conversations on optimism at texasmonthly.com. These are interviews designed to inspire optimism through stories of extraordinary Texans. While you're at texasmonthly.com, dive into the online version of our December issue, which is our power issue and features profiles of 31 Texans who are changing the way we think about politics, education, food, the arts, and philanthropy. Also, heads up music fans, for the first time in the history of the National Podcast of Texas, we're going back to back with music episodes. Our first show of 2019 will feature a conversation with a Rock and Roll Hall of Famer and bona fide Texas icon, ZZ Top's Billy F. Gibbons. In the meantime, if you like what you heard here, consider subscribing to the National Podcast of Texas on Apple, Google, Spotify, SoundCloud, or Spreaker, sharing it on social media, or maybe even leaving a recommendation on one of those services. I'm Andy Langer, working with producer Brian Standifer, and this week at Nile City Sound, Austin Jenkins. Thanks for being here, and thanks in advance for coming back next week. You've been listening to the National Podcast of Texas, a production of Texas Monthly, the national magazine.